there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, Harry, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, the CMO over at HubSpot. And I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. And we got a show for you today. We are talking about marketing and AI tactics and tests you can run today. We're going to talk about why the biggest breakthrough in AI for marketing hasn't happened yet and what you can do to get started right now to improve how you convert visitors to your website, convert people on your email list. It is going to be awesome. Let's get into it. All right. Before we get into AI, we got the king of sweaters, Kieran. What the hell is going on with that sweater? I'm going to get a new batch of sweaters because I feel like these ones are getting tiresome. But wait there. If you are on the YouTube, what do you see this? Uh, I'm going to bring something. Oh, what? What? What's he pulling out? Look at what I have for my, like when I get really stressed. Just for the YouTube viewers. Do you have a yoga French bulldog statue? I have a Buddha French bulldog in here. <laughs> Dude, look at this. Oh, is that Galaga or what is that? It's Street Fighter. Street Fighter? It is a miniature arcade. Amory got this for me. So one of the things I actually, before we even get into <laughs> the show, one of the things I was thinking, Kieran, we're like halfway through the studio build at. I was thinking we would do in the show description links to all the stuff in the background in case people were interested, like art, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to yet. If you want us to give a deep dive of like the studio layout and decor, please, please hit us up in the YouTube comments. All right, we can get into AI. Okay, Kieran, I think the best place to start, we want to get into some practical and tactical AI tests that folks can run. But I think to start, there is a really interesting rumor happening that seems to be fairly true, which is that OpenAI is going to launch a product called Foundry that will allow people and companies to run basically a local model of the OpenAI model with all of their like own proprietary data, not just publicly available data from the internet. You found an amazing thread that you felt like really outlined some of these points. I want to kick it to you to kind of go through your perspective on Foundry before we go into everything else. So I'll start, but I would love you to correct me if I get the description of Foundry wrong, because I really Please. went deep into what this means. So Foundry is OpenAI's platform. One of the things that we have been trying to figure out is OpenAI a front-end company or a back-end company? Yes. So is it going to build front-end apps, consumer-type apps like ChatGPT, or is it just going to be a back-end and allow partners to build on top of it? It kind of looks like it's going to do both plus partnerships because it has a deep integration with Microsoft. So Foundry is their back-end platform, which would allow companies to have their model for a certain fee and then be able to augment and build upon that model with their own data. You think that's right? I think that is right. And I think it is the biggest thing that hasn't happened yet for marketing using AI. Right. And so this guy, Nathan Labance, we will put his name in the show notes. He's building a company called Wayward, but he had this incredible thread about what this actually means. Now, one of the things that you and I talk a lot about is AI is cool today, but when you can start to build custom models really easily on top of the open AI models or the different language models, wow, it's going to become much, much more practical for your needs because you can customize it to the things you want. And so this is what this means, right? Companies can start to do that. Like a good example I keep using is Poe for Quora. 
I have it on my phone. And so Quora is like one of the hidden gems of AI because they have a huge data model and they can actually launch a chat experience built on that data model. So I want to give you a couple of really interesting things for our listeners. I won't go through the entire thread because it is very technical, but I'll pull out some of the like interesting things to start this conversation and we'll move towards like interesting, really great practical tips for marketers on how to use AI today in a very actionable way. Two of the things that really struck me as an introduction for us is like, will AI replace jobs? I think that's been one of the narratives that we've thought a lot about and think a lot about. And I think what Nathan made a really good distinction on is it doesn't replace jobs, but replace tasks, like repeatable tasks. Yeah. And what are jobs? For the most part, they are a series of repeatable tasks. So it doesn't replace an entire job, but it replaces a lot of tasks that are part of a job. And that can actually change what a job actually is. Like it actually can change the very nature of a job. I watched a lot of interviews with Sam Altman and I saw a really kind of testy interview with him and a journalist from the BBC. And the journalist through BBC was really probing him as, is this good or bad for humans? Is this good or bad for humans? And one of the points Sam made is every time we've had a technological shift and people's jobs have been automated in some way, it's always made the humans more productive and it's been better for them. And this chart would say that that's not always true because it <laughs> changes the very nature of jobs. For folks who, who aren't watching the YouTube, like walk people through it. So farming used to be a big part of our industry, right? Farming used to be a big part of how people made Still money. Still is. Agriculture is a huge part, at least in the US, of the economy and of the market. Yeah. And so uh, this shows you the number of farms since 1910 to 2000 and the number of farm workers. And what you see has been there's a small reduction in the number of farms, but there is a huge reduction in the number of workers. Well, why is that? It's because most of the things that farm workers used to do has been automated and replaced by machinery. So AI and automation doesn't necessarily replace jobs per se, but it changes the very nature of them. And you don't need humans to do them, right? You actually yeah. remove humans from that part of the equation. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting for knowledge workers and how AI disrupts knowledge workers and changes the nature of jobs. So I, I, I got some takes here. Basically, for, for folks listening, we're saying, hey, the number of farms over the 100-year span starting in 1910 to 2010 dropped from a little over 6 million to a little over 2 million, which is a big drop. But the number of farm workers dropped from about 14 million to about two and a half million. That is a much, much more precipitous drop. Obviously, in that period of time, you had things like the Industrial Revolution and things coming on board. I would posit to you, Kieran, that the Industrial Revolution did two things, right? It produced automation for farmers, but it also gave new opportunities for people to do that work. So people who used to work at farms then went to work in factories, for example, right. in this particular use case, right? And I think that is what's going to happen in the next generation of technology. To give a little soliloquy on all of this, I've been thinking a lot about this for a while. For the last 15 years, the internet aggregated together. And we are now starting on a new period of disaggregation, of unbundling. So previous 15 years, platforms like Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what have you, bundled knowledge and people together, brought them together for a better experience to create value. And now, AI, for example, is unbundling the internet. Look at the just sheer proliferation of different AI applications just in the last six months has been mind-blowing. And that's going to basically work its way through the entire economy, entire ecosystem of the internet. And in this period of unbundling, a lot of change happens. And one of the things that happens in a period of unbundling is the types of jobs changes and the types of skills necessary to do those jobs change. Like I grew up in a state called West Virginia in the States, Kieran, and West Virginia is very famous for coal mining. 
And the similar thing happened with coal mining that happened with farming, right? Equipment got better. So you needed less people to work in the mines. And then you had overseas mines producing coal at cheaper rates. You had the impacts of environmental regulation, all of those things. And what's happening in that the West Virginia economy is like all that innovation did not lead to better productivity for the miners. It led to less miners, right? So what do you need when you have less people doing a job? You need the ability to reskill your workers at a really fast rate. And that is what the U.S. and most of the world has missed out on over the last 50 years. We built this really rigid education system that was really good for people coming right out of high school, but was really poor for people who might be, you know, 10 years out of high school, worked at a job and that job is going away and now they want to pursue a different type of job that is now in demand. And so as I think about the evolution of AI, I think about one of the things that's going to go part parcel with it is the need to be amazing at reskilling our workforce all around the world. And I'm skeptical of Sam's argument. It's going to make some people's lives more productive, but at the same time, it's going to force other people to have to go and reskill and focus in a different area. So I think one of the things we can do is start with some of the categories. We're the largest categories for disruption. This is based upon that thread and based upon the fact that Foundry is probably going to be inclusive of GBT4, mm-hmm. the new language model from OpenAI, which is going to be from all of the th- signals that I've heard is going to be a magnitude better than what we have today. And like, it's hard to even wrap your head around how that's going to be better because like what we have today is we're still trying to wrap our heads around 3.5. Exactly. And I think we can go through some of the core areas. Where is this going to play out in 2023? Where are you going to start to see AI become very prevalent and much better? And then what does that mean for marketers and how should we have a mental model to think about how AI can be integrated into our business today? And I think you and I have opinions on that. So the first one, pretty obvious. It's content. And what Nathan says is that is going to get hugely better in terms of the AI being able to create content, repurpose content, and localize content. One of the ones that I hadn't really even spent time thinking about is how quickly you can actually localize all of your content through AI. Oh, absolutely. How good the AI is going to be at doing that. And so it is going to be your best content assistant. And I think the other one I would add into that is research. Like a big part of how we create content is research. So like creating content, repurposing your content, researching your content, and actually translating your content. GPT-4 is going to be magnitudes of better. And we'll probably have another 2 million or so copywriting tools launched between now and the new model being launched. How many more copywriting tools? So many. Like everyone at some point is going to launch content copywriting tool for AI. That's just the way it is right now. So there's a few things that are part of this. My point of view, and we've been talking about this at HubSpot, is like, I think AI is going to to do three things. It's going to drastically change the way people create and research content. And you just talked about that, Kieran. It makes total sense, right? That's the obvious one. The next one is that, wow, it's going to be much bigger. The order of magnitude of AI is going to be much bigger than we think, which you and I have talked a ton about that. The third one that I think is the most interesting, Karen, is our co-founder, Brian Halligan, he, he sends me lots of emails. And most of his emails these days are about AI. And one of his beliefs, and I think he's right, because I've learned that he's almost always right, is that the thing that people are not talking enough about is how AI will change how we use technology and use software. And the move from a graphical user interface to a more text prompt-based interface is not just going to be limited to something like search. It will be how you use so many softwares. We've talked about Adept.ai, which is a company who's working on this problem in the past on the show. But I think that is going to be a massive evolution in this market. 
We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. That all being said, what I want to try to get into is when Foundries launch, it's going to unlock a bunch of opportunities for marketers because right now, if you're a marketer, you can really only do AI experiments based on publicly available data. Like Kieran, I saw a guy who has one of the many AI writing tools on Twitter this morning and his whole application is like, I will help your writing be better because I will go look at all your publicly available blog posts feed that into the model, and then all of the writing will be specific to the writing and formatting right. and everything you've done in the past, which is amazing. There are a lot of companies not doing that, and I think that's pretty awesome. But you know what's going to be way better, way more important, is when you train that model with all of the data that you have about your customers. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it gets much, much better when you customize it. I would need to see a before and after of when it sucks in information about your blog post. Like, I wonder how different your content is from just all of the content on the internet, especially like educational content. I don't see there being a huge difference in the way I write educational content and the entirety of like all educational content written pre-2021, which is what the model is currently trained on. And so I would love to see it before and after to see where that customization starts to really kick in. I think where it really kicks in, if I had a mental model for how marketers should think about AI, and this speaks a little bit to some of the areas that Nathan covered and what he thinks is going to be much, much better in 2023 because of GPT-4, I think that back to front, yeah. which is the closer to the customer is the place I would start. Yes, let's go. Because you customer data. So where would I start immediately? I think support mm -hmm. is like one of the most obvious places where you can start to have a much better experience of AI because you can suck in that data and all of the information you have about your company and have a real conversation with an AI bot and get the answer to your question. And that was one of the categories that Nathan called out, which is think about it. Support now in an AI world can be 24-7, right? 24-7, like how many times do you have to try to fix your broadband or try to get something answered and everything closes at six and you're like, oh, I have to wait till the next day. In an AI world, support is live 24-7 and it probably has, over time, it has a better experience because a AI bot can have all of the information at once where it's really hard for like an individual support agent to be able to have all of that information. Tell people what you mean by going back to front and give people some of the touch points along that, right. that journey, just so that everybody listening, I get what you're saying, but what do you mean? It's interesting. Like we're, we, I think everyone is starting to think through this. I know you're doing it at HubSpot. We're doing it at Zapier, which is where can we integrate AI across the go-to-market, right? And do it in a kind of really thoughtful way. So if you take the typical customer journey, and that's one of the things I would stress, like one of the things I would stress to everyone listening to the show or anyone who is responsible for like some part of how you build a company, always look through the lens of the customer journey. I think yeah. it helps you to like figure out what is meaningful, what is impactful. And so let's take a 
typical customer journey as, okay, we attract people, which is we want to get them to know much more about our brand and take like one meaningful action. So for a B2B company who's like lead gen, it will be lead generation. For a B2B company who's product-led growth, it will be signing up to a free account. For a B2C company, maybe it's signing up to the subscriber list or something. But we can attract people, Mm -hmm. get them to take one meaningful action. The next part is engage. We want people to engage with us in a meaningful way, which means they're going to pay us some amount of money. They go through consideration and then they buy. And then you have a delight. And delight is like, how do I get that customer to onboard to the plan that they wanted? How do I get that customer to use that plan on an ongoing basis? And over time, how do I get that customer to expand the usage with us and upgrade to higher tiers, higher packages? How do I get that customer to renew with us and continue to renew with us? So when I say back to front, I would start with like the delight stage, like the people who are ready customers and customize using AI to have a better experience for customers. Then I would move into engage and then I would move into attract. And I think there's some good debates we could have in terms of what you could do today in each of those stages, because I think there's things you can do. But that's what I mean by back to front. It's like delight, then I move to engage, then I move to interact. What are your thoughts on that? I want to validate you a little bit, Karen, because I want to share some real life experiments we've been running at HubSpot, because I think everybody is always interested in like, what are people actually doing? Are you guys right. are just talking about shit? Like, what are, you, what are you actually doing? And the experiments we've run over the last couple of months kind of validate that. And so The first experiment we run, which would be kind of the farthest from the customer experience, was all around like lead generation. And how do you use AI to improve the conversion rate of your like landing pages and your forms on your website? We ran that experiment. It did okay. And it had some lift for our conversion rate, but it wasn't a game changer yet. I mean, this is still early. You iterate on these experiments. The two others had a bigger impact. The first one that I think had the biggest impact was our self-service chat experience. For folks out there, if you don't have chat on your website, like pause the pod right now and go put chat on your website because you're just bananas, right? Like Kieran, right? Like how important is chat on the website? Chat is one of the best things you can do, period, period, for demand, support, and even within product. Like it actually should be across the entire customer journey. Starts with the track, goes into a gauge, is all across the line. Your, your customers love chat. Chat leads convert at a much, much higher rate than any other format of leads, at least from my experience at HubSpot and the companies that I have seen. And the other thing is, yeah. Kip, like to your point on Brian Halligan's point, the unspoken truth of what's really happened with chat GPT is not just AI. It is the transformation of the UI experience and what what we're kind of teaching people to expect or how we're teaching people to use software. And so the fact that we are gravitating towards chat will actually make chat on your website even more impactful because this is going to be much more common in terms of how people want to interact with software. I completely agree. If everybody went back to our Search Wars emergency pod, one of the things we talked about was an experiment around having a fully chat-based website and what you would learn from the prompts and everything that people entered on that website. And the reason it's really hard to do that today is because the OpenAI Foundry product doesn't exist. You can't run basically a local model with all of your own data. Once you have that, you can run that. So in absence of being able to run the kind of the full website as a chat experience test, one of the things we are doing is using the OpenAI model and GPT-3 to augment answers in our chat automation. And so the best chat experience for folks out there normally starts with automation and then that automation transfers over to a human. But automation has its limits, but those limits are greatly reduced when you connect that automation to an AI model like GPT-3 from OpenAI. And what we found is a much higher conversion rate and engagement rate for folks who We're interacting with the AI-enabled chat versus 
a kind of static, kind of more basic rule-based chat automation system. And that is something that anybody could go and plug in and try right now. Obviously, you need a developer, you need somebody who understands the APIs, but that is a real test that you can go and run right now. And I'm, I'm looking at all the results and everything right now. It was like the results that the AI returned were exceptionally good and the engagement from the users on the chat was exceptionally good. Yeah, and if you think about it, what happens there, why that experience is much better? Because the AI instantly has all of the information about the customer. The AI is able to actually look across all of these different touch points and really have a great picture of you. We talked about that in the kind of creepy way where like Bing AI was able to talk about a student who released a Twitter thread disclosing some of the secrets of Bing AI. And it knew all of this information about them. But like in a business setting, you can know all of this information about the customer just from their kind of personal details online and then how they use the product and things like that. And then it instantly has all of the information about your product. So like it's an expert on your product, is an expert on the customer. So that should yield a really great experience, right? It should lead to a really killer experience. The other like interesting thing that I'll just throw out there while we're talking about this is one of the fascinating things within Zapier is we can actually see everything that everyone is doing with OpenAI. So OpenAI is one of the fastest growing apps on Zapier. I'm sure. And we're able to like dig into like exactly how they're using it. Right? Oh, we that's can actually fascinating. See how it, can we do a whole pod on that? Or at least some of the most popular use cases? That's super interesting. Yeah, I'll give you like the, the, the headline one. We can go into some of the more granular ones, yeah. but it's content. Like it's the amount of people who are using this today, like in terms of practically using it for all forms of content and then like using that content, generating leads and then sending leads somewhere and then doing automated outreach through automated content from OpenAI. And so that's one of the other ones, which is, okay, you think about content today where we see people creating all of this content through OpenAI and these different Zapier integrations is primarily on the front end, mm -hmm. like it's back at the attract stage, what I think is really cool. But I think you and I believe that there is something magical in the sequence of emails where you reach out to someone when they've done something meaningful, and then you send them a sequence of emails to try to capture their engagement and try to get them to take an action to move further down the funnel, have a call with you, talk about your product. And wow, AI can actually create a pretty incredible email for those people, again, because it's able to pair all of the data that it has about that person with information about your product, mash those two things together, and create something really intuitive for that person, something like actually is meaningful and engaging for that person. And so that's, we've talked about the delight stage, but now we've moved into the engage stage, which is how do we like capture that person's attention? How do we send them some emails? How do we get them to take meetings with us? The only thing I would say is, I think the first like 20% of companies who really nail that are going to have like outsized benefits. I agree. And then what happens when everyone kind of knows how to do it because it comes commonplace, that's when it becomes well, hold, hold to on, know that's, that's a really important point that I want everybody watching to understand is that something, Kieran, that you and I have always held as a first principle of marketing that we've actually not really talked about on the show yet that much is there is a huge first mover advantage in marketing. If you are the first to adopt an effective strategy, you get orders and orders of magnitude more benefit than if you're you know, the 20th percentile to adopt it or the 40th percentile to adopt it, for example, right? But that advantage is directly related to the pace of innovation. And so the faster the pace of innovation and the lower the length of time where that advantage exists. And because with AI, the pace of innovation is just so, so much faster than it's ever been. We are in a period where you have to literally be very first and get all of the benefit you can because it's going to get commoditized and the competition is going to catch up extremely quickly. Yeah, the tooling in AI is going to move so fast that it's not 
crazy to think that most people's customer experience is going to be somewhat identical because it's how much of the customer experience gets managed by AI. Like for the very first, like touching your website, like you can imagine a CMS that's able to construct a website based upon the information it has yeah. about visitors that's able to like personalize itself on the fly. Like today you have Tulin that can grab data from your CMS and personalize the website. There's no reason to think that AI doesn't take that over in the future. We've talked about chat going from attract, engage, and delight stage. And you can have a meaningful interaction with someone when you're not a customer, when you are a customer. Again, all driven majorly through AI. When you sign up through that website, then you get this outreach email, like you're trying to reach out to them to grab their attention, to get them to book a meeting. You can imagine all of that being managed by AI. When you have your first meeting, you can imagine the salesperson getting all of their sales enablement collateral and material delivered to them by AI, like the decks. Decks will be automated. The scripts will be automated. Oh, 100%. Let me give you an example of that, right? So the, the third and final test that I wanted to share that we did was basically with the rise of, of marketing and sales automation, one of the things that's really common these days, if, you, if you're listening or watching, you're not doing this, you should be taking advantage of it, is to send automated emails on behalf of your sales reps. Not that your sales reps, right? That you have a team of marketers who are saying, hey, I'm writing the best messages and I'm looking at the data to optimize these messages across my entire sales team, right? And I'm sending these messages on behalf of the rep. But one of the things that happens in an AI world, those messages get so much more contextualized. So we ran an experiment where not only did we have name and, and the company they work at, kind of typical email personalization, but like we were able to recommend which product they would buy. So instead of saying like, hey, I think you might be interested in HubSpot CRM, you can say like, hey, I think as a sales rep at XYZ company, I think you'd be interested in our starter suite and what the starter suite will do for you. And like that level of personalization and recommendation that it can be delivered through these AI models is exceptionally powerful and goes right along with your point, Karen, where we're going to get much better at delivering the customized packages of information, whether it's directly to the end customer or to an internal salesperson or customer success person. And that is going to change productivity writ large across the world of marketing and sales, I think. Yeah, well, you have a lot of your customer experience managed by AI, which means everyone's customer experience should theoretically get better. One of the things that I really do think between like 10 years ago and today that marketing has got much better because people are much more experienced within digital. Tooling has got much better. Data has got much better. So the ability to like be outstanding in terms of like separating you from everyone else is much harder because like everyone has just gotten much better. And you can still win in customer experience, right? Because customer experience from the first touch point to when you're a customer and beyond is still average for a lot of companies. But it's interesting to think like what happens when everyone's customer experience gets elevated because they implement AI and AI takes most of it over, then where's your leverage? Like, where's the thing that I can figure out how I can win? Well, I think that is a freaking brilliant question. And the reason for that is like, right now it's very hard to deliver like a very aligned and consistent, low friction customer experience. And I think you're making the argument, wow, as AI develops over the next five to 10 years, it's gonna actually become very easy to make your customers have a great experience, help them get exactly what they want when they need it, right? And if that's the case, then you're not gonna be able to differentiate on great customer experience like a lot of companies do today. Some of the, I would argue the most different companies are what I think Brian Haugen used to call experience disruptors, right? People who disrupt their competitors by providing a great experience. And so when you can't disrupt on experience, what then do you disrupt on? And then it comes down to two things, I think. It comes down to either your pace of product innovation has to greatly accelerate or your costs have to come way, way down. 
If you're saying AI can deliver all of this advantage and you need less humans to deliver this great customer experience, then you need to pass that margin improvement on to your customers, basically. Right. It's going to be one or the other. And I think competing on price is terrible. So I hope yeah, that it's, it, it's, it's product innovation because I think competing on price is the fastest way to lose. Yeah. Plus, everyone's price would theoretically come down if they implement AI correctly. Correct. Well, that's, uh, I guess that's what I'm saying. There's some high margin in the software as a service category, right? Really high margin businesses. Are you going to have like 95% margin companies? Like that's kind of crazy. I don't think a market will support that, right? So what we're really telling marketers is where can you win today with AI? And the most common place, like we've seen it in the, the Zapier and OpenAI content, we've seen it publicly, which is let's see a track stage creating content. Let's start there last or let's go there last. I think what we're saying is there's real value in trying to figure out how to integrate AI into your chat, make your customers happier. There is real value in being able to integrate AI into the emails that go out in that mm -hmm. middle part, that engage part, which is coming from your sales reps. And chat is still part of that experience, right? Because people who are not a customer want to chat with you and you can use that information to make their experience better. Absolutely. And then you move to the attract stage. And yes, AI is like really incredible for all of the content creation you can do. The other one that I have seen like people debate is, should this be on your website in some meaningful way to help people convert? I'm not sold on that right now because I think why? it's... Tell everybody why. Before we close out, tell why the skepticism. I think it could be a distraction for people. Like if you spend time on Bing AI or chat AI, what happens is you go down a rabbit hole. Whereas like conversion is like, how do I get someone to do something? I yes. just need to and be very clear on what I need to get them to do. And all conversion is like, how, I have 0.5 seconds to get this person to realize they need to do this thing. Chat in general is not like that. It's like a conversation, right? Like going through a long-winded conversation. And I don't know if it's a great mechanism to get someone who doesn't really know your brand somewhat curious to like sign up. And so I'm not sold in that yet. I think there's a couple of things there. What you're basically saying is like conversion rate optimization is about facilitating versus distracting. Your job is to get people what they want as quick as possible so they take the next step. Where so much of like the broad kind of chat GPT use case, for example, is like people going down the rabbit hole of information. What I think is going to happen is we're going to get past that point, Karen, as AI normalizes. And AI is going to become a facilitator on your website. And we're going to get very good at training these AI models to instead of give the user what they want, to help drive the user to a given outcome. Right. And I think that is a yeah. big, big change. So I, long term, am optimistic of AI's role in conversion rate optimization. I gave everybody some very specific experiments that we've run that you could run or run similar ones today to do that, like the chat experiment, the sales rep email experiment. We also have some landing page personalization experiments. Like you can go and do those today. I think what we're going to be doing six to 12 months from now is going to be drastically, drastically better and different. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. We're excited about Foundry. Open AI, please launch Foundry. I know at HubSpot and Zapier, we want in on Foundry. We want to do some cool stuff. We want to run a bunch of interesting experiments. As we continue to do them, we're obviously going to share them on the pod. So if you want to hear the best AI marketing experiences, hit that subscribe button, please. Donate a little bit of time to us. We're donating time to you. We are going to come back with you with the best marketing knowledge across the board. A lot of it's going to be AI because that is what is happening in the market today. And it is moving quick. We appreciate everybody listening today. And we will see you real soon on Marketing Instagram. Instagram.